أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين إذا أنفقوا لم يسرفوا ولم يقتروا وكان بين ذلك قواما والذين لا يدعون مع الله إلها آخر ولا يقتلون النفس التي حرم الله إلا بالحق ولا يزنون ومن يفعل ذلك يلقى أثاما صدق الله العظيم The qualities and attributes of the Sifatul Rahman the true servants of Allah Ta'ala being discussed and the last aspect that came yesterday was the aspect of spending that among the qualities of these special servants of Allah Ta'ala is neither are they extravagant nor are they miserly they are moderate in their expenditure according to each one's capacity he works according to his limits and he spends out of that as well and at the same time he is not extravagant in terms of generosity this is something also that differs from person to person what is his capacity and level everybody doesn't have the same capacity and therefore everybody would not be allowed also to conduct himself in the same way one was siddiq akbar radiyallahu ta'ala an hazrat abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu an when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked for some contribution for, a, for an expedition of jihad, so he brought along every single thing, though the quantity was not too much, but whatever was available, he didn't leave anything behind. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him what you left behind, so his answer was, I left Allah and his Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam behind. And that was accepted, because that was his capacity, that was his level and on one occasion somebody came and he presented a ring and he said this is the only thing I possess and I'm giving it in the path of Allah Ta'ala so Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam threw it and said there are some people who will give everything away and then they will go around begging he didn't accept it so everybody is not of the same level and the same caliber but in principle, a person should, from whatever he has, spend also in the path of Allah Ta'ala, on the poor, on the needy, on whatever avenues of dini work that he may be able to spend in. This is something that should be an ongoing thing, according to each one's capacity. And this is something which in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala even says regarding those who are the muttaqeen, الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ فِي السَّرَّاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ They spend in ease and in adversity. So in ease they will spend obviously according to their capacity at that time. Even in adversity they don't stop spending in the path of Allah Ta'ala. But obviously according to what they can manage at that time. So the quantity might not necessarily be the same but in the court of Allah Ta'ala it is the quality of that sadaqah that is considered and sometimes one person spending one date might surpass somebody else's spending a million it depends on the ikhlas and the sincerity that a person has in that amal of his 
the sahaba kiram nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam made it very clear to the whole ummah that their level of ikhlas is so high that as a result of that if one of them spends one handful of grain in the path of allah taala you those after may spend a mountain full of gold they cannot reach this handful of grain that the sahabi spent so what is the difference the difference is that level of ikhlas so that is what needs to be all the time checked that a person doing any amal what is the intention behind it what is the motive and the sahaba ikram after spending they were not then very very complacent about themselves and feeling very happy about themselves that we've done a great deal allah taala speaks about them alladhina yu'tuna ma ataw wa qulubuhum wajilatun that they give what they have given and their hearts are trembling so they are doing righteousness they are doing a great amal so why are the hearts trembling annahum ila rabbihim raji'un that they are going to return to their rabb and they will have to account for why was this amal done also was it done with sincerity was it done for the pleasure of allah taala or was there some ulterior motive so that spending must be for the pleasure of allah taala but each person will have to do so according to his capacity in moderation then the aspect that we discussed yesterday was already that there are various levels one is the level of need then is the level of some comfort then is a level of some adornment all this again somebody who is of a capacity where he has now gone beyond this then he won't even pay attention to all these adornments and so on but in principle it's permissible that a person is doing it not for impressing not to impress anybody else not to compete with somebody else this competition with somebody else this is totally out of line this is something impermissible that in dunya a person is competing to impress others that i can outdo so and so he is driving this kind of car i can drive something better now that is to impress others he can wear this i can wear something better he can have his son's wedding in this manner i can outdo it i can do it in a better style so this is the doorway to destruction destruction of deen and even destruction of dunya people just in order to keep that particular standard that somebody else has set now there's some wedding there's something some function a person ends up going into debts and even ends up doing things which are totally impermissible to get that wealth in order to now just have that function at that standard in that style so to start off with that itself is something that goes way beyond the limits of permissibility sometimes and on top of that this money that the person wastes in it and gets himself into debts people have reach bankruptcy as a result of debts for these kind of waste wasteful things completely out of line things and especially when it comes to weddings then just it seems like sometimes people's thinking stops that all the there's no no limit and all the stops are taken out whatever it is the money just flows like water just in order to create an impression nothing else just in order to create an impression but the reality is that that impression is only often in our minds nobody else that impression is in nobody else's mind everybody else it's on their tongues only 
just to make the person feel happy. Now, well, I got invited now, so I have to tell him something that makes him feel happy. But after they take a U-turn from there, then after that they talk about all the negatives. But on his face, they will just tell him something. Tanwi Rahmatullahi is written one incident of one Banya. She was a very wealthy person, but extremely miserly. Wouldn't spend on anything. But the time finally came for his daughter's wedding. So he thought, well, now I need to invest in my image. He may not have said it in those words, but this was the bottom line. That now is the time to well all this money that we are hoarding. So we now open the taps. But the point is that it will now create a very good image of myself. So in any case, he went out of his way, invited a very big number of guests and really laid it out. And after everything was done, when the guests were now leaving, and this is the weddings of India, where the groom's party now will come from some far off place. So they'll come one week in advance, so 10 days in advance. And for that 10 days, every day is like a wedding. So after all this was done, and he did everything beyond what others might have done in that time and era, when everybody was leaving, each guest was given one gold coin. Now he did all this, a person who was sticking onto every cent of his, and now he let the taps of that money flow. After he did all this, he decided that I should now hear also what is the praise people are making of me. They must be really singing. This was the whole reason he did it for. This was his whole objective. So now everybody was dished out their one one gold coin. And now all the guests started leaving now in that zamana, the horse and wagons and carts and whatever else. So he quietly sneaked out and he went way ahead quickly. And he went and concealed himself in some shrubs, some bushes, because there's only one road now that everybody has to pass through this road and leave. So now he's right at that roadside, narrow little road, all these horses and carts and wagons and everything has to pass here. So now he's hidden himself there to listen now, everybody's leaving, so this now will be the talk. So whatever now the comments are, he'll be able to hear and get the payback of all his investment. This is what he was going to get. Because a person, he gets more blown up through his ears than anywhere else. A person gets blown up through his ears more than anywhere else. Somebody must just say something, even if that person is just saying it, just he doesn't believe one word of what he's saying. But the person who is listening to it, he also is in doubt about whether this person is really talking what he believes or not. But the fact that it came in his ears that hot air balloon starts flying high. And then he just needs somebody's one little pun, one criticism from somewhere. And that comes crashing down. And then a person now is in another halat. So any case, this person now hid himself. And now one by one, everybody's passing. So somebody had one comment to make that you know, this person for so many years he's been hoarding. And he never spent anything. And now it was only, like in our terminology, only a seven cost meal. If he made it 14 calls, what he would have run short of? The second person, second group went past, they also had some negative comment. Third group had some negative, finally one group, somebody's passing. See, this fellow with all the wealth he had, he only gave one gold coin. If he gave two gold coins, what he would have run short of? See, inna lillahi wa inna The akhirat was gone already, 
dunya also went, that so-called investment in his image also never happened. It was all in his mind. That people will think this of me, and think that of me, and people will really regard me as a very, very good person and generous person. All that is just in our mind. Nobody else, behind the back, everything else is different. On the person's face, they'll just tell him something, mashallah, excellent. Behind, behind his back, they'll say, this fellow wasted so much of money, what's happening in Syria? He couldn't send the money there. But in front of him, they praised him. So nobody else gets impressed. It's just that impression in our minds. But for that impression in our mind, we lose akhirat, we even lose dunya also. So this is the thing, that to be moderate in one's expenditure, and not to get involved in that level beyond this adornment is still permissible, within the limits of shariat obviously, provided it is not for somebody else. One feels a little comforted with it, he feels nice looking at that scenery or something, he feels nice about maybe painting his house in a certain way, khair, within the limits of shariat, and he's earned it in a halal way, he is not trampling anybody's rights, it is within the limits of permissibility, not the ideal level, within the limits of permissibility. But when it crosses that boundary, and now the consideration is of others' impressions, that is gone in the bounds of impermissibility. Like the hadith we discussed yesterday, about clothing, dressing. Man labisa libasa shuhratin, albasahu Allahu libasa dhullin yawm al-qiyamah. Person who wears some garment to impress others, Allah Ta'ala will clothe him in garments of disgrace on the day of Qiyamah. Then the other aspect of that what is stated here is وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامَ That in everything, in their spending, they are moderate. They take the line of moderation. In the hadith, Nabi Salaam says, الْإِقْتِصَادُ فِي النَّفَقَ نِصْفُ الْمَعِيشَ That moderation in expenditure is half of livelihood. Half of livelihood in the sense that a person who knows how to spend moderately, balance things out, then he will never ever get into difficulties. A person's income, his income is his income, 99 or the majority of the time, a person's income is fixed. Somebody is working, so that is his salary. So the income is fixed. So that is something beyond a person's control of what to do about his income. But what is in his control is his expenditure. If a person keeps no control over that expenditure, then he's going to put himself in problems. So he has to look at what is his income and plan accordingly. So this is something that a person manages his finances in that way with moderation, then he may not be able to necessarily afford many luxuries, but he'll still live peacefully. He may be able to afford it if he has that capacity. If not, but he's pending in moderation, he'll live peacefully. Otherwise, he'll spend beyond his means, he'll enjoy some comfort and luxury for a while, and he'll be in misery because of the problems it brought on him now. The debts that came, and as a result of those debts, whatever else then follows, Hazrat Luqman said to his son, that avoid getting into debts. Avoid getting into debts. This is a means of sleepless nights and disgrace during the day. It is a means of sleepless nights and disgrace during the day. At night now he's worried, he can't sleep. And during the day he's ducking and diving from the creditor. I hope I don't pass this person. 
he starts then avoiding getting to the masjid because he might bump into the person. Now this is the disgrace of the day. So unless it is absolutely necessary, a person should totally avoid getting into deaths. In one hadith, Nabi made dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bikam min al-kufri wa dain Ya Allah, I seek your refuge from kufr and from deaths. So somebody asked Nabi Sallallahu Kufra Biddain that you are making dua for the protection of Allah Ta'ala from these two things side by side. Are these two things equal? As obvious, kufr is kufr. Debts are debts. Debts and kufr are not equal in the sense that a person has undertaken a debt has made kufr. But the asking of protection for these two things simultaneously, there is a message in it. This is the reason the person asked this question. Ata'adilul kufra biddain. So Nabi Islam said yes. That sometimes the point in this was that sometimes deaths even lead to kufr. Death itself is not a sin. To take a loan from somebody is permissible. But when a person starts taking debts and especially when he starts getting into debts and borrowing on interest, that is the lanat that he takes upon himself. That is a curse from Allah Ta'ala and many people have suffered the very terrible consequences of taking this lanat upon themselves. This is something to be totally far away from, never to get involved in any interest transaction. Allah Ta'ala has cursed the one who consumes interest, who takes it. Not only him, وَمُوْكِلَهُ the one who gives interest, who pays interest, Allah Ta'ala has cursed him also. Now when a person is taking the lanat of Allah Ta'ala, where is he going to have barakat? Where is he going to be gaining any good out of it? Going to progress anywhere? He's going to be just buying misery. He's going to be buying every kind of difficulty and problem for himself. So this is something to be totally away from at every, at any cost. If there is a need and a person is getting some, somebody is helping him, somebody is lending him something, by all means, provided he has some kind of arrangement in place that how he's going to be able to pay this back. That now he's taken the loan and he's made an agreement that fine, I will pay back a certain amount every month. But he upfront knows that I don't know where I'm going to be able to get this amount from I'm making agreement for. I'm saying I'll pay back thousand rand every month. But by the time, at the end of the month, I don't have 100 rand left. So now where am I going to find this 1000 rand to pay back? So then now, this is something which he is deliberately inviting trouble. When a person has an idea, or oh, he puts it up front, that I don't know when I'll pay back. If you can lend me the money, well and good. And when I can pay you back, I'll pay you back. Then he's clear, he's straight, he's made the matter absolutely clear what is the position. That is in order. He doesn't know whether he'll be able to pay back or not. These are his, this is his condition and situation. And when he gets the money, he'll pay back. If the person lending him is happy about that arrangement, he'll lend him. If he's not happy about it, he'll excuse himself. So, to start off with, a person should totally avoid getting into debts. Out of real necessity, it is permissible, provided he has the idea of how he's going to pay, or he's made it clear with the person lending him the money. And he must have the full intention of paying it back. Otherwise, sometimes 
person asks for qarz hasana qarz hasana means that qarz that loan a person or like this what we are talking about person talks up front to his creditor look i will pay it back in this manner or however but if i fail to pay it because i don't have the funds then or if i pass away in the process then you will forgive it now this is an arrangement both parties are happy with it well and good if he managed to pay it he has the ability to pay it he'll pay it back and the creditor is happy that if genuinely he doesn't have the ability he's ready to overlook it but that is not something to make an excuse now that a person is able to pay and he now makes excuses not to pay so he says qarz hasana so then it gets distorted some people distort it that qarz hasana they change that word hasana from the arabic into urdu qarz hasna hasna means to laugh so it means now when the creditor comes and says please with my money he laughs at him in his face and he says tomorrow next time later now he has the funds or he is able to pay so now he is just laughing about it and that poor person it has become qarz rona for him now he is crying for his money and this person is laughing about it now this is something which nabi islam has said matalul ghani zulmun matalul ghani zulmun a person who has the ability to pay back the debt and he delays and this is zulm and as we mentioned that zulm this is something that brings down azab so never allow ourselves to fall in this zulm so this is the aspect of debts that we should try and totally avoid getting involved in debts out of necessity a person got into some debt that is permissible it comes in the hadith a person has taken a loan with the full intention of paying it back and allah taala assist him in paying it back so he has an idea how is or he is clear with the person but he has 100% the intention to pay it back is one family who latala has blessed them tremendously not in durban somewhere else there so somebody explained to me the background that when this person their father passed away so he was a very good person alhamdulillah he was but somehow he got into some business difficulties financial difficulties and as a result suddenly things dipped and he suddenly passed away also and he was owing a lot of money to a lot of suppliers and so after he passed away people now took stock of everything whatever was salvaged every bit was paid out and after everything was paid out obviously nobody got one cent there was a still a very huge debt left over so they contacted everybody whoever they could and said look this was our father's debt but inshallah we will try and pay back whatever we can they had nothing of their own so two brothers they started well some jewish person finally nobody wanted to assist them in any way also one jewish person finally agreed in the morning i will give you so many garments by the evening you must pay so they would come and take that whatever 50 garments 20 garments and sell it at some street corner and by the evening pay him whatever his money was due whatever the profit was they took whatever was absolutely necessary for the for the immediate expenses and the household expenses and so on and by the end of the month whatever could be saved 
they had a list of all the creditors. And one creditor at a time, they started contacting and paying him bit by bit. Sometime later, somebody made one, one part of a shop available to them. So they started business there. And the priority was every excess cent that they could save, apart from their very basic necessities and needs, they put it aside to pay their father's debt. And it took a few years. In time, some had even forgotten about that debt. And when these people contacted them, they said, look, I forgot about it. Don't worry, it's done. Insisted, no, we want to pay it. Some still insisted of that it's already written off. I've forgiven it. Don't worry about it. But most of them were finally paid. But this was the starting. And the intention was that the priority is that this debt must get paid. The time came, Allah Ta'ala blessed them with so much that they perhaps have funded dozens of dini institutions. And so much of dini work Allah Ta'ala has taken from them in terms of their financial assistance. But the start was on this point. Now somebody says that why must I take this burden on my head? I need to make my money. These people lost out, leave them, let them be. Not my business, not my worry. So one is that way of looking at it. And somebody else says that this is something that is somebody's due. I need to get his due to him. Now, Shaitan comes and says, but when you'll get left with anything? You're going to keep paying your whole life, you'll pay. And somebody else's burden you're taking on your head, your father did what he did, you're taking that burden on your head, your whole life you'll pay, you'll never come anywhere. But Allah Ta'ala's nizam is different. Allah Ta'ala's system is not dependent on that 2 plus 2 as to 4. When a person does what Allah Ta'ala is pleased with, then that 2 plus 2 adds to 1002. And a person will never be able to work it out on paper that how it happened. It is not something that he will be able to fathom, be able to explain. Because When a person truly has taqwa, now this is also one facet of taqwa. Very important facet of taqwa. That somebody's right must be discharged. Together with all the other aspects. Then Allah Ta'ala gives him a solution to every problem and grants him rizq from sources he cannot even imagine. The grantor and the provider is Allah Ta'ala. It is not our businesses, it is not our professions, not our jobs, not our intelligence, not our ability, or our skill. Person does what will please Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will then make him happy also. So, this is the thing that to be very conscious about our expenditure, how we spend, what we spend in, and not to get involved in any futile things to just make an impression, to just merely make a name for ourselves. All that is just destruction in dunya and destroying our deen as well. Then the next attribute and quality of the Ibadur Rahman Allah Ta'ala speaks about وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَٰهًا آخَرَ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ اللَّتِي حَرَّمُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَزْنُونَ وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَٰلِكَ يَلْقَ أَثَامًا in the ayats that were preceding were all the aspects of their good qualities that they possess. Now the aspects which they refrain from is also the attribute that they stay far away from these things. They are, they hold on firmly to the aspects that have been already mentioned and they don't have anything to do with these aspects. 
The first is They don't ascribe any partners to Allah. Ta'ala. They are totally free from shirk. One is shirk in its worst sense, that worshipping Nawazubillah, some other deity, somebody is worshipping some cow, and somebody is worshipping some idol, or worshipping some tree, that is shirk in its worst form. But shirk is not confined to that. That is shirk with zaad. Shirk in the being of Allah Ta'ala, that is shirk also. And Allah Ta'ala does not forgive shirk. A person left this dunya on shirk, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ Because that is the worst zulm. إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ The greatest crime, this is a capital offense. And even in dunya, for a capital crime, a person is not given a confined punishment. Capital crime, his life is gone. Or he committed that crime for a short duration. He committed treason for one month, but he gets a life sentence. Because it's a capital offense. So shirk in the court of Allah Ta'ala is a capital offense. Kufr is a capital offense. So Allah Ta'ala does not forgive shirk. One is shirk fizat, shirk in the being of Allah Ta'ala. This too is shirk. And the other is shirk sifat. Shirk in the exclusive attributes of Allah Ta'ala. Those attributes which are exclusive for Allah Ta'ala, a person now starts attributing it to somebody besides Allah Ta'ala. Rizq, Allah alone grants rizq. Whatever else a person may do is just the apparent means, but only Allah Ta'ala is a provider. Inna Allaha huwa razzaqu dhul quwwatil mateen. Allah alone is the razzaq and the provider of sustenance. Now a person starts believing somebody else, some wali or some whoever can give me rizq. This is shirk in this attribute of Allah Ta'ala. Allah alone grants children. Somebody believes that somebody else can make some thing and it will happen by his command and whatever. This is now shirk in that attribute of Allah Ta'ala. Shifa and cure comes only from Allah Ta'ala. Huwa shafi. Allah alone is the shafi. When I get ill, Allah alone grants shifa. The medication, the treatment, this is sunnah. And we are taught to adopt the means, but the yaqeen in Allah Ta'ala alone. Allah Ta'ala is the one that grants shifa. Now somebody believes anyone besides Allah can give shifa, this is shirk in this attribute of Allah Ta'ala. So even this is something to be totally far away from. Our hearts need to be very clear about this, very clean about this. One is that a person requests somebody's du'as for barakat in his rizq, barakat in his uh, or, or shifa, etc. So that requesting du'a or requesting somebody's whatever assistance in that regard is that this person in our minds is somebody who is closer to Allah Ta'ala. So he will make dua, Allah Ta'ala will grant me with the barakat of his dua, Allah will grant me shifa. He doesn't have anything in his hand. He cannot give shifa. He cannot give rizq. But because I believe that he is somebody close to Allah Ta'ala, with the barakat of his dua, Allah Ta'ala will grant me barakat in my rizq. So to that extent, that's fine. That's not a problem. But that line must not be crossed. Where a person even entertains the thought that somebody besides Allah Ta'ala can provide rizq, can provide, can give shifa, can do other things. Nobody but Allah Ta'ala does all this. So this is also something to be very far away from.
So they stay away from shirk. These are the major crimes that are being spoken about. That one is shirk, then they don't commit any murder. They will not take a life unjustly. Somebody has committed murder, then the Qazi, etc. may pass some judgment against him. But they don't commit any, take any life unjustly. And wala is known. They don't involve themselves in zina, in fornication, in adultery. These are the major crimes. These are things, three things being mentioned here. Shirk, murder, and zina. The three things that are being mentioned side by side show the severity of all these. That shirk, everybody knows how severe this is. Alongside shirk, murder, and zina being mentioned, this shows how severe these are as well. That they may not be shirk itself, and it's not that a person as a result of these major crimes will go out of the fold of Islam, but they are extremely severe. And... Staying away from zina means every level of zina. In the hadith it comes, the zina of the hands is touching what is haram. So to touch any non-mahram, this is totally impermissible, this is zina of the hand. The zina of the eyes is to look at what is haram. The zina of the ears is to listen to what is haram. The zina of the feet is to walk towards haram. So all this is also to be totally refrained from. So these are the ibadur rahman that they totally are safe and free from all this. Allah Ta'ala says, Those who get involved in these kind of things, they will have to face the consequences of it. They will face the punishment of it. And thereafter, the thing that is mentioned in the ayat that follow, several other qualities as well, but these people who get involved in this, but if they sincerely repent, they come back to Allah Ta'ala. And in the ayat lower down, Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَن تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا the person who has made toba and then come onto righteous actions is not just a lip service toba. He's made sincere toba and he started doing amal saliha. Then he has truly repented. Then he has truly returned to Allah Taala. So for that true return to Allah Taala is not just a lip service toba. At the toba time also he is making salatu toba also, giving some sadaqa. He is crying to Allah Taala wetting the musalla with the tears of repentance and he then changes the direction of his life. Then this is true repentance and such a person, Allah Ta'ala then blesses him again.